Hello and welcome to the Lost Art Podcast. I'm Garen, I'm here with Paul. How's things? And this week we're going to be looking at some uh, interesting ways of listening to lyrics and songs, I suppose, would be one way of putting it. Um, yeah, this is an interesting one, yeah. Yeah, we, I mean, we, we initially thought about calling it Hidden Meanings, but yeah. that, a lot of them aren't really that hidden. They were just yeah. un- maybe under a layer, under a facade. I, they were there once you yeah, read the exactly. lyrics, you know. Yeah, um, I think some of them were, like you said, um, misconstrued or else yeah. under a facade. And some of them are just lyrics that I found out later when I read them or listened properly are way darker. Oh, definitely. They were. definitely and yeah. they're in pop songs. and So that's not necessarily super hidden, mm. but uh, songs that definitely people don't read into a lot. That's probably a, yeah. one, way, one way of saying it. Yeah, yeah definitely. Because it's not really a case of mistaken lyrics, which we, we are, we've all done that as well. This yeah. this is more a case of, I never really bothered. Like I, I probably sang along the lyrics to most of these songs a thousand yeah. times in my life, but I don't think I ever took the time to read the lyrics and go like, oh, that's, that could actually be about that. Oh, oh interesting. Yeah. I was taking most of these songs at face value. So um, I, I, we call, we're calling this podcast What Do You Mean? In, uh, and, and essentially what we're trying to get at here is that maybe most people might have thought that these songs were about what the song title is about or something. You yeah, know exactly. I mean? like, or else the chorus. There's a few of mine that uh, I hear that where if you just hear the chorus, you think... Um, Oh yeah, I know that song. That's a yeah. deadly song. It's mad happy, and you're like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's something, and then you read the lyrics, go, ah, and then you do a little bit of research, and like, ah, okay, now I get it. Yeah. Anyway, so let's let's jump straight into the first one. Who was your first choice? My first one is Electric Avenue by Eddie Grant. Mm. I absolutely love this song, and I song. knew, like a lot of people will know, and I knew there's definitely a lyric in the first line about violence, mm. but. By the time the chorus comes around, you're just thinking, oh, what a banger. Yeah, I love yeah. this song. It's so yeah. happy. Yeah, we're going to rock down to Electric Avenue. And that's something you'd hear from like Kill and the Gang yeah. or Cameo or someone. You don't really like read into the rest of it. Yeah. But the song is actually about uh, like a miserable view of London at the time in really? the 80s. Um, yeah. Like I said, a lot of songs I've chosen are famous amongst people that only know them as catchy songs with, yeah, a, big happy, yeah. with a big happy chorus. Yeah, definitely. But Electric Avenue is actually about uh, the Brixton riots and poverty in London. At the oh, time. wow. Like, I don't know. Like, I just, I kind of knew it was about like, oh, yeah, bad things. But, boy, like, deadly. Yeah, happy days. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't realize it was about, like, how angry he was at um, living in London at the time. And mm. the amount of racism and police brutality and stuff like that. Mm. And just horrible poverty. Uh, so much so that he decided to uh, leave London. Okay. And he moved to Barbados. And on the way there, he lost all of his songs somehow in transit. So he had like, it must have been a notebook mm. or a few notebooks of songs gone. So he went just in that anger and still thinking about London, he wrote like Electric Avenue, mm. which is like a super banger. Yeah. And like working so hard like a soldier, can't afford a thing on TV. Deep in my heart, I'm a warrior, but I can't get food for the kids. Mm. That's like, I didn't realize it was that grim and like, like almost grandmaster flashed like yeah oh it's such a happy song but what is he singing oh shit man it's <laughs> got aids or something yeah exactly like, yeah there's a few songs like that but this is the one that instantly when you think of electric avenue and you play that at a party no one is thinking about no poverty and being miserable they're thinking about like rocking that. down to electric avenue that's what they're yeah. thinking about which is actually a real avenue in london oh really 
I didn't know that. Yeah, it's know that very, either. very well. Hence the name. Oh, okay. Avenue. Yeah, he also wrote "Baby Come Back." I didn't know that. Baby, Baby Come Back. One that was uh, Pato Banton and UB mm. Forty, a travesty, really. But yeah, now I kind of have a better appreciation for the song now that it wasn't uh, written by them. Yeah, exactly. I got a new mic. I got a new microphone. I don't know if it sounds different, but Jesus, there's a sort of like new box smell off, and it's hurting oh. my eyes. <laughs> Is that like new? <laughs> something's up close to your face. It's the Corona, man. It was because yeah. it was put together in China. It's uh, it's emanating off the microphone. It needs, needs to be aired out a little bit more. It does need to be aired out. I was feeling my eyes are stinging. It's weird. Anyway, look, this is my first, my first, my first, my first one in today's podcast of what do you mean? Uh, tell us your next one, your first one about okay. how the lyrics are, don't always show and show. Oh, my eyes. Stop it. Stop it. Okay, my first one is uh, Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen. Like, yeah. you, you think of this song, you think of, like, it's a super big kind of pro-American anthem, isn't it? You know, it's like, football fields on a Sunday night and mom's American pie or whatever, you know, apple yeah. pie and all this type of stuff. And uh, that's, uh, honest to God, what I always thought it was about. I, I when honestly I was a just, kid, I was just like, yeah, man, like, that's the you, way Americans are. They're mad. Oh, yeah. Out of their country oh, yeah, exactly, like yeah. Flags flying. And like like America, America's cool. I think that as a kid, one hundred percent. Everybody talks. I don't think it's. I don't think it's uncool now. I just think as a kid, it's like, on fire. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Don't wow. want to go there anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> uh. Yeah. So when I think of the song, honest to God, I just uh, that's what I think of. You know, was uh, you know, mom's apple pie and you know, eagles on people's shoulders and bandanas and big trucks and <laughs> general American stuff, like, you know? And I, yeah. I, honest to God, never read much into it. Like, I, I, I kind of had a feeling there might have been something underneath the skin of it, but I, I never bothered. It's just, you know, born in the USA. That's all I wanted. Right, you right know? Open yeah, exactly. And uh, so what it's actually about, it's kind of grim. It's actually about a Vietnam veteran returning home uh, to his hometown and like being ostracized. So there's no work for him. His family don't want them. All this kind of stuff. It's a song about Rambo. Uh, it's a bit, a bit of a Rambo song. Honest to God, it's it's very Rambo. It's a bit John Rambo. Um, so apparently in 1981 he played this uh, Vietnam veteran uh, kind of benefit gig. That was that. There's a massive problem in in America, probably all over the world, but you, you kind of hear it. it. It's publicized a bit more in the states where soldiers who do return from war are kind of forgotten about. You know, a lot of them end up on yeah. the streets with drug problems and alcohol problems because once once the army's done with you, I don't think they really care about you. Like you know, it's it's uh, the army just makes cannon fodder and it doesn't particularly want to have to fix them afterwards. So yeah. there was um. They, they, so like, they, well, you didn't, you didn't die. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, you're meant you sure to. Did, you were supposed to die over there. Yeah, we oh. paid for the box and the bag and all to get your, yeah. get your lifeless corpse so back home. You this know, is, this is awkward. And we folded the flag, man. And now what we went to do with you? You're hungry. You can't eat a flag. But um, how would you like uh, army jacket and a wheelchair? Exactly. Exactly. Dan. <laughs> exactly yeah 100% so yeah he, he done this Vietnam veterans uh, kind of uh, gig benefit gig and he, he he met a lot of these Vietnam veterans and he ended up talking to them and he really he hadn't a clue that it was like this for them you know and they were explaining like how grim it was when they, were, when they came back from the war and all the things that they'd seen in the war as well um, that kind of messed with them massively as it would yeah. and what they were like as people so he starts 
<laughs> apparently he started writing a bunch of songs. He might have he may have even had the idea of doing like a concept album based on the idea of kind of Vietnam, you know, pre, during and post. And um he started writing loads of different songs about Vietnam and stuff. But the Born in the USA, its original title was was just Vietnam. That was what it was going to be. Really? Going to be yeah, one of the main songs of this this concept concept record he was going to do. Uh, it was well, going to be called Vietnam. That, that wouldn't have fooled anybody. Vietnam, yeah. bum, bum. Vietnam. Yeah. So um, yeah. born in Vietnam, <laughs> exactly. I was <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But eventually, eventually, it morphs into the born of the USA that we all know and love today. But like when you do, when you go looking through. The, the the lyrics like it's there's, there's there's a couple of grim little bits in there that's, you know um got in a little hometown jam so they put a rifle in my hand like when when you read it you get there's all these kind of layers to it where it could be about someone who used the army to escape from from uh you know a bit, a bit of trouble they got in like a fight they got in, in a bar or whatever joined the army instead of going to jail but or a, or a richard mark situation where he sort of did kill a woman or didn't maybe 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 he did <laughs> exactly. but he did yeah, um, but yeah, there's a there's a bunch of something there. You can you can you can you can kind of if you read the lyrics, and almost almost reads like a story, you know. So it essentially covers a poor guy in a small town with no no options. He gets in trouble with the law, joins the army, sent to Vietnam, where all his friends are killed, and he returns home to no job, no prospects. And by the end of the song, there's a line in there where it looks like he's going to jail. He, he you know he has to get back into trouble. To try and feed himself or support his family, and uh, he could be going to jail. So it, it's pretty grim. It's pretty dark as well, you know. That all sounds bad, but at the same time, he was born. Like, everyone, everyone, everyone that thinks that's like an, an anthem for a uh, pro USA oh, is like yeah. just, just ignores all those other bits. Oh, exactly, like the, the chorus. Yeah, born. <laughs> exactly. Exactly, um, but that's yeah. born in the USA, uh, 1984. That came in as a title track of that album as well. So uh, that's the, yeah. the famous um, boss album. That everybody knows we you're looking at as ours. So yeah, and he, has, he has a little uh, has a little napkin or something. Doesn't he have a little American flag? Yeah, uh, like hanky or something like that sticking out his back pocket yeah. as well. I think he's playing both sides with the whole thing. Oh, one hundred percent. Like you, you can definitely there's lions in there that are like kind of pro American. Just like staunchly, you know, I think he's trying to defend the idea that like America could be better uh, than it is right now. You know, we, yeah. we're treating these people really badly, and that that's not what America is about. This is what America is about. You know, we're pretty to look sure. At them. Uh, unironically, Trump used it. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, without a shadow. I think he did. Yeah, yeah. Wow, like that's the the presidential use of songs is crazy. Like if every second one of them gets in trouble and gets a bar in order. To stop using their songs. It happens all the time. It happens in England he, all the time. Yeah, and he's like, they've already <laughs> used it. So, what are you going to do? Didn't, it, didn't um, the who used uh, London Calling? Some Tory or something used London Calling a couple of years ago. Oh, right. Um, in in, like, in, so, in England. Uh, so out of touch. Oh, yeah, but it's absolutely they, outrageous. they know and don't care? No, they're just looking for the hook. That's all. That's a good example of people who did not get the meaning at all. Just heard the, those... But are, even if they know, they know like dopes aren't going to listen to the middle of the, the rest of the lyrics. They of course, because listen, when they, when they have one of these rallies and they play the music, they probably just play the chorus on loop. You know yeah, I, mean? I don't know if they play the whole they thing. Muffle, they muffle the lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. Born in the US. US. Yeah. I like this bit. Exactly. That bit's the best fucking America. I, I, think I think there's a line in that song where it's like, I have to go kill the yellow man, and it's yeah. ironic. But I reckon a lot of people not reading that 
Right. And going, yeah, I did that. I killed. Them. Oh, yeah, it was great. Because I was born in the USA, I got to go and do that. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, that was Bruce Springsteen with Born in the USA. Who was your next one? My next one is a very, very similar song, and I put it next to us so we could segue into it. Okay. It's only two years later, and I don't know if the Beastie Boys meant to do this. Mm. I think they did. I think they knew it was going to be a Born in the USA type situation, mm. and they released You Gotta Fight for Your Right to Party, which... As a kid, I thought it was, oh, that's them having like the crack. Yeah. This is like, they love, they're, they're mad into partying now. Mm. Absolutely not. This song is completely and utterly about taking the piss out of these types of songs. Okay. So, so they wrote it to take the piss out of dude rock, like Motley Crue, yeah. Smoke in the Boys Room, I Wanna Rock, all this glam sort of mindless bullshit. But they wanted to just do one of them and do a video that took the piss out of it. So it became this. It, came, it got out of hands, much yeah. like Bruce Springsteen. It got out mm. of hands, and it became a big jock rock anthem. Now, I love this song, and I think it's a good song. I think, I think album is fantastic. It. Yeah. So, yeah, this is off the 1986 album, License to Ill. It's brilliant. And if you listen to the rest of it, you'll realize that this is definitely 100% a piss take. Now, mm. like, you wake up late for school, man. You don't want to go. You ask your mom, please, but she still says no. You miss two classes and no homework but your teacher preaches class like he's some kind of jerk. Those aren't even bad lyrics, yeah. but they're not Beastie Boy lyrics. Yeah. Like, they have that element of fun that we know Beastie Boys, but it would never be that straightforward. No. So, no. You, if you listen to the rest of License to Ill, you'll realize that they are much more lyrically savvy. Um, you're, incredibly uh, smart. Like, even yeah. when they're doing garbage songs, like, girls, 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 like, in the morning, girl. it's just, it, it's stupid, it's piss-taking, that kind of surf style. Yeah. They they do it in such a sharp-tongued way, so definitely, look, look what you're saying, that, that opening verse of that song, like, is way too straightforward. Um, it's not them, it's it them, t- it's them letting everyone know that they are 100% taking the piss, mm. but, I didn't know that, and most people I don't think do. Absolutely not. No, you just so, think it's a song about your parents not getting on with your parents like like yeah, a teenager. And I, al- I always thought, like, years later as well, going, God, do you remember they had that song on that? That must have been, like, Shiny Happy People. That's another one of them songs oh, yeah. that they tried to take the piss, and it just got huge. Now, yeah. it doesn't hurt the L fucking coffers. Mm-hmm. With a big song sells an album because this song sold that album. Born in the USA sold. Yep. Born in the USA, I think is the name of the album as well, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. And uh, like, shiny happy people shot that album up huge. Although it was really losing my religion, I think mm. it was off the same album. I'm not sure uh, that that made that big, but it's it's clever. You get a lot of it's it's fucking horse outside as well. Yeah. Horse outside by Rubber Bandits was was so good that it's it took on a lot of fans that weren't ready for the rest of oh yeah like he hates bandits. that song yeah he I, hates I, that I'd, song. I'd say so but if that had just been a minor hit among people that took it for what it was which is yeah, just yeah. A, a bit of a, a joke yeah. a little fart joke or something it's not mm. his best joke he'll know it's not his best joke oh, yeah. the two of them the two of them will know it's not the best joke exactly and spastic hawk is a much better song and, oh yeah and, and i think that was a Dad's good best friend get, is killer as well to, yeah to get them out early so lose those fans you don't want them people turn up to a gig and just screaming play horse out. Yeah. I don't know what he's talking about with this dad's best yeah, friend and, exactly. and you know what I mean so I'm sure all these acts uh, like 
had this so I'm sure a lot of people would turn up to a Beastie Boys gig as far as the Beastie Boys gig you're still going to have fun though even if you are jocking it down oh, yeah. so I don't know yeah that's my that's my one that's not necessarily hidden but I don't know if a lot of people know that it's completely that is, aimed it's, yeah it's a piss take it's tongue in cheek aimed like, directly at the glam rock band singing yeah. just stupid lyrics like, like give it back to them like stuff. yeah <laughs> smoking in the boys room I actually like smoking in the boys room even though yeah. it's a bit too honky tonk but those lyrics are bad like and they're not supposed to be good exactly and, yeah. yeah so this was a shot at them it worked it didn't work it, it did and it didn't do you know what I mean yeah it, so it, that was um, they made a fortune off of the backfired because people were expecting more of it you know yeah it's, well that's that's you gotta fight for the party by Beastie right. Boys. Who's your next one? My next one is Nirvana with Polly. Um yeah. which strangely enough is not a song about a parrot. Uh which I always thought it was. One hundred percent. You love your parrots. You write you would write a song about a parrot. You Absolutely. probably are in the, in the process of writing. I might a song I might write a, a song about Jimmy the Parrot, maybe. Um <laughs> he's he's uh, he's uh, suspiciously quiet right now. He he was mm. screaming just before I came upstairs. Um yeah, Polly is not about a parrot. Uh, which I, honest to God, no messing, thought it was from my entire life. I've been listening to that song forever, and I was doing some research for this podcast, and there was like a little one-liner on some website about that, and I was like, what? And I went looking at it, and uh, it's actually based on a true story about a 14-year-old girl who was kidnapped, raped, and tortured in 1987 in Tacoma, Washington. Um, Now, her name was never released, uh, but there was like a, a rumor that that was that was doing the rounds. Our name was Polly, uh, and the man, his name was Gerard Friend, was arrested after she escaped, um, and he was jailed. Obviously, uh, she snuck out of his. He, he he used to take her on little drives or something like that, and he put her in the boot of the car because he had to go and get gasoline. And he didn't didn't trust leaving her tied up at home or something like that, and she figured out a way of opening the boot while he was uh, putting juice in the car, and up she got and off she went, flew down the road, gone. So um, all the lyrics that you read about in in, in there, like um, like uh, using a blowtorch on her and stuff, that, that this is what your man, Jared uh, Friend, done to this poor little fourteen-year-old girl. Um, I don't know how long she you got, had her for. She got away though, did she? She did escape. Yeah, she got away. Um, I don't know how long you had her for, but yeah, um, as I said, her name wasn't released. She was too young, uh, but it was a big, um, it, it was big deal. Uh, apparently, Dave Roll doesn't drum on this song. Uh, it's the only song. That Very close to the bone, was it? Uh, no, no. He, he, they were just doing the changeover. I'm not, I'm not biting. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to get you to. Yeah, no. Um, this, there was a bit of a changeover between the the original drummer, a guy called Chad Channing, who was with them from '88 to around '90. That's right, yeah. Yeah, uh, 1991 or something like that. And uh, when they were recording, they were doing early sessions in Butch Vig's house. Apparently, he had like his garage converted to a studio. And when they done this song, it was just perfect. They were like, I don't need to do anything. We don't want to do, redo anything at all. So they ended up keeping it all. And uh, that's the only song that has like all of, of Chad Channing's kind of drumming on it as well. Does he get a fair few quid from Nevermind? I is don't it know. Nevermind? It is. It's on Nevermind, yeah. I, I, I assume he gets a few bob over it. But apparently, I, I don't know, because apparently he, done, he gave an interview in like the late 90s and someone, someone pointed out to him and he went, what? And he went off and Listen to him and he goes, yeah, that was that that was actually me. I better look look this up now. Actually, um, I might be out a few, Bob. Um, I'd say so. Yeah, it's not a single, but still, yeah, still, it's one of the biggest selling albums ever. Like he's entitled yeah. to a few, Bob. Um, but yeah, but Butch Vig just liked it so much that he was like, you know what? In its entirety, 
That's a hundred percent. There's also there's a bit where uh, Kurt Cobain sings. Polly says twice. He goes Polly says, and he waits for a second. He goes Polly says. That's uh, right. Too. And uh, apparently that that's just a, a mistake. But I like the song which they left it in. So they kind of rewrote the song that dictated how the song was how the song was sang from that point on. Then yeah. So um, yeah, that there's Polly by Nirvana again. Not about a parrot. Uh, about uh, the horrible scumbag um, abusing a poor little girl. Um, it's yeah. pretty grim. Pretty grim. It is, yeah. I kind of wish it was, it was about Parry. Sort of bad relationship or something. I didn't ever read into it. <clears throat> yeah, I wish it was about Parry. Um, yeah. As opposed to that, because that's real grim. But yeah, apparently Kurt Cobain was... Uh, there was there was another rumour. I don't know how true this is, but apparently a lot of... Or two Nirvana fanatics... Two morons um, kidnapped the girl and they were uh, raping and torturing her and they kept singing that song over and over and over again. And uh, Cobain heard about it and apparently he, was, he wasn't too happy about singing that song live anymore. Like he, right. he was like, what are they, they think that, like, I'm pro this, you know, that's like, he Jesus, he yeah. was very much anti that, you know, as any normal person would be. But, um, directed for everyone, well done. Yeah, exactly. And nice also one. did, did horrible shit. And, yeah, we're, we're scum. I don't know how true that is. That that could be nonsense that somebody came up with. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. that was Nirvana. Polly, who was your next one? My next one is Are You Gonna Go My Way by Lenny Kravitz. Mm. A song that I didn't think I ever needed to read into. Yeah. Ever. I always thought this was about like a rock star who was trying to get someone to go home with them. Mm. Like, are you going to go my An aging rock star. Like, are you going to go my way? Come home with me, baby. Mm. I don't know. It's not. It's about someone who Kravitz considers to be the ultimate rock star. Hmm. Jesus Christ. Oh, no. I know, yeah. It's probably something like this for everyone. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So I should have copped it with I was born long ago. I thought that was just the start of an aging I'm rock star. Long yeah. ago. Come on. Yeah, sing it. I'm the chosen one. I have come to save the day and I won't leave until I'm done. <laughs> so that's why I'm going to try. you got to breathe and have some fun. Don't know what that means to do with Jesus <laughs> or whatever. Though I'm not paid, I play this game and I won't stop until I'm done. <laughs> yeah. So you're going to go my way. Mm. Um. It doesn't sound religious to me, but he has gone on record. So, yeah, that's definitely what it is about. Someone that Ugh. he considers to be... Oh, someone says, Jesus is actually the ultimate rock star. I no, I'll stop you there. I've ever said, yeah. ever. Yeah, I'll stop you like, there. He's yeah. more of the I'm original like public speaker. It's not. Why does everything have to be a rock star? I know, yeah. Because he like, had the people around him and he was you know, fighting the power. Like if someone becomes like Tiger Woods, he's the rock star of uh, fucking golf. Like, yeah. But you, you know what? Sometimes the comparison can't be made because they're so different. Yeah. He is the Tiger Woods of golf. Yeah, exactly. How about that? So, he's real good and popular at golf. Really, really, really good at it. But don't get this. Stuff. Oh, he's a rock star. All right, I love it when like, pop stars go... I want to get a bit of me rock star swagger up. I'm like, well, oh, and they write a song called Rockstar. Loads of them yeah, do that. Exactly. So I was some pop, yeah. pop mutant. He was rock like, star. I'm a rock star. You know? And the video was then with like a lot of mascara on them and all. I know. Lepping around. Shocking. I'm a rock Get out of me house. And I like, I don't think they understand. Like, they all have this image of rock is about not giving a fuck and doing yeah. whatever you want. I'm like, is it? <coughs> it's a, it is a bit. Yeah, but what about like the next single you release? Then you're just going to go back to the regular yeah, shit music again. Exactly. Anyway, look, oh. I don't like religious stuff, but this song is so fucking good. It's killer. Like, to be honest with you, the guitar lick and the drums from Cindy Blackman make this whole song for me. Yeah, it's I absolutely mortars. love this. Um, apparently it was written in five minutes in the studio with... Um, well. Oh, God. 
his producer because I know he produces all his own stuff. With another guy, another musician, mm. and uh, the lyrics were written on a brown paper bag the next day. Done in two days, banger. It's killer riff, like he was. He was arrested in two thousand when he left his house because he fitted the description of a burglar. But he didn't get too angry about it because he looked like an absolute bum. He did that all the time. He would walk yeah. out of his gaff and never get noticed. With his so, giant scarves, his eight foot long scarves. Yeah, he dresses mad, doesn't he? Did you ever hear the story about him going to the tattoo studio in Dublin? No. It's real funny. I can't, I can't name names or names of studios right now, but there's a studio. <laughs> it's gone now. Pretty famous studio in Dublin. And um, one day they got a message on MySpace or something like that saying... Um, Listen, uh, Lenny Kravitz is playing the Tree Arena tonight, or whatever it was called back then, and he really wants to get a tattoo uh, while he's in Dublin because he loves Ireland. Would uh, mm. would you guys be interested? You know, we looked at your reviews; look solid. Would you guys be interested in, in doing a tattoo on Lenny? We'll bring him down. You know, uh, when he's finished doing the show tonight. So yeah. they're like, like oh, give, give us a phone number. They rang them, and they were like, oh, you know, made sure it was kosher, and. Uh, so they were like, <laughs> they agreed upon it, you know. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll do, you know, just let us know what he wants or whatever. Oh, yeah, he wants this, you know, Celtic Cross or whatever, blah, blah, blah. So, right. and um, so there's about four people working in this tattoo studio and they started literally ringing everybody, right? Like, oh, my God, Lenny Kravitz is coming down here to get tattooed tonight. Oh, my God, this is unbelievable, this is unbelievable. So they start drinking, right, thinking this is going to be a party. Lenny Kravitz going to rock down, you know, with a horde of people and a lot of groupies yeah. and the band and all. There's going to be a big session in the tattoo studio, you know, and they'll, get the, they'll do a bit of work on Lenny and, you know, go on the piss and have the crack. And, uh, of course, after after an hour or two of these guys starting drinking at like 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, of course, it turns into a big bag party. And, um, Are you so, telling me that tattoo artists do cocaine? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Holy shit. So, and... Uh, and Getting the, one of the biggest stars of their life is about to come down and they didn't handle it super professionally. Yeah. Holy shit. So they, they all start getting stuck in, in, in into the coke and uh, going on an absolute mad one. And by the time it hits like whatever, 11, 12 o'clock, whatever, and Lenny's due to show up, like everybody's just on fire in the studio. The tunes are banging. They're sitting around smoking. You know, it's lions chopped up on every surface and all the bottles are out. They're going to do their, live their rock star life is what they're going to do, Helmet. Like a little pop they're, star. Yeah. I'm a rock star. Right? So uh, yeah, in rocks... Honestly, most tattoo artists I know don't listen to rock music at all. Exactly. Do you ever yeah. notice that? Oh yeah, 100%. Yeah. Look, I know loads of mad, mad sound as fuck tattoo artists. Uh, and they're, a, lot of them, a lot of them are into rock, a lot of them are into mad, like heavy, heavy, dark, horrible, grim yeah. techno, which is deadly. I love that as well. Yeah. But... How many an hour? Like, yeah, I got this. Uh, like, oh, skulls and stuff. All over. Like, what kind of music do you listen to? I don't know, man. Whatever. Not really into music. Whatever's on the radio, like whatever's on the radio. <laughs> whatever's on the radio. Yeah, all right, yeah. In my man. I like so, uh, that um, song. Fuck your right to party. That's a, good song. <laughs> that's a great song. Yeah, born in the USA. Love that as well. Um, so uh, yeah, whatever. Like twelve o'clock comes. Half twelve comes. In walks. Uh, I was about to say in walks Lenny Henry. In walks. Uh, <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> in walks Kravitz and um, in he walks with like just his manager or whatever and he's got the sunglasses on the big scarf wrapped around him and there's just this plethora of like passed out mutants and coke chopped up all over the place and broken bottles and shit and there's just one fella sitting there out of his mind with the going eh, eh, sit down there sit down there and we'll yeah. get this done come on come on Lenny sit down and apparently he didn't even didn't even say hello or anything like that just turned 
turn right around and walk straight good out man. the front door. Just like yeah, absolutely not. No thanks. Yeah. Nope. Okay. Made a bollocks for it. And that, that story now is like one of those kind of legendary Dublin tattoo stories where they were telling everybody for ages, like all day, he's coming down, just a rock star tattoo shop, all this kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. And he shows up, sees the state and him and goes, Nope. Nope. Well, they, like that would have been great for business, realistically. Like the next day when they could, you know, show some pictures and tell people they'd done it. If you had just walked in, got us worked on in the hour or whatever, and walked out, lovely and clean. You know, he might have told some of his other they rock star had, mates. Forget about that. They would have savage photos for the rest of their Exactly. Thing. Oh, yeah. No, exactly. you know what to do. Go and get a load of uh, shite coke that's been up someone's arse. Do yeah. that and don't tattoo Lenny Kravitz. Exactly. And then just have to like backpedal the next day. How would you go on oh, last yeah. night? Oh, <laughs> do, didn't he? He was a prick he was. And we told him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. He didn't He didn't play a... Uh, Black Velveteen so at the gig, so we told him to fuck off, and yeah. we're not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, Black Velveteen. <laughs> oh dear! Right, is that you done with uh, with Lenny? Yes, it is. Sorry, yeah, it is. Okay, my next one uh, is a big one um, as well, and it's the Eagles with Hotel California. This is the the reggae song. That's not a reggae song, but it is. Yeah, kind of. There's another thing: hidden meaning, hidden genre. Yeah, uh, um, apparently that's how it was referred to for ages as well. When um, when uh, yeah, man, he was kicked out of band. He actually wrote with. I can't remember his name. I don't know much about the Eagles actually. I can't remember. I think, Glenn, Glenn Frey. Well, he wasn't kicked out. I don't think. I think he, he left over the dispute with Mooney or something like that. He kicked um, the other fella out the bassist, I think. I can't remember. There's some sort of dispute. I read it and I just went in one ear and out the other. I'm oh, sorry, yeah, should yeah. I? In two eyes and bleeding out the back of my head is where it went. Because I didn't hear it. I read it. Um, I, I, I wouldn't have even cop that. I, I knew what you meant. Yeah. <laughs> See, hidden meaning. Oh. Every, everywhere. <laughs> but apparently, uh, when he was writing, he had, the, he had the riff and someone heard it and went like, oh, good. That, that's really like, good. They didn't call it a reggae song. They call it like a bop. Uh, what did they call it? Bahamian Groove or something like that. Yeah. Something like that. They had them. That's what it was called for ages uh, before it was written. Um, a Strange is not, not about like a haunted hotel, which is what I always thought it was. Because the only lyric I can ever remember, except for uh, Hotel California Chorus, chorus is the... Um, uh, now I can't even remember it. It'll take your life or something like that. And uh, Oh, yeah. Don Felder. Sorry, Don Felder. Don Felder, that's kicked, it. Kicked out. And I always thought it was like about just a spooky hotel that they had to stay in on tour or something, you know. Mm. And, You've uh, got stories about them spooky hotels. I do. I stayed in a, ho- in a haunted hotel. Um, <laughs> we talked about that actually on yeah. Haunted Songs. On Haunted Songs, we might discuss that. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure I talked about it on the live shows as well. Um, it's actually about the excesses of American culture and the record industry. Really? Yeah, it's, it's weird. Um, now, again, it has layers to it that it could be taken in many different ways. But the lads have come out and said, no, this is what it's about. Like, so the lads are from uh, kind of the, the Midwest of America and Texas and stuff like that. They, didn't, they had no idea what California was like. And they said they always imagined that like, when they were getting signed and starting to do well, because like, California is the, the central hub of all kind of celebrity and fame in, in America, that when you are driving to California, you'd be like Las Vegas, you know, rise up out of the desert, you'd see the lights and maybe you'd see the Hollywood sign and all this kind of yeah. stuff, you know. You'd see them thousands of miles away. And um, he, they decided that this was like, as they travelled closer and closer to California, that they were going to be kind of, they were getting swallowed up by the music business. So the way they wrote this song was like, they said the process of celebrity in America, like if Los Angeles is the heart 
of the showbiz world. They use the hotel as a metaphor that it looks great from the outside, but like once you're in there, you can't do anything for yourself. You're hand-fed everything by like your record label. So they're saying like, no, you're, you're playing here tomorrow, there tomorrow. You're on radio first thing in the morning, and it's like being in a hotel. You can't do your own laundry. You can't cook for yourself. You're just someone shows up and tells you what to do and hands you your dinner, and you just you, you have no choice in the matter. So their life became like living in a hotel. And it was a Californian hotel because now they were embroiled in this massive kind of celebrity of the music business where they were doing well enough before, but they were like the, the, the Beatles kind of the Beatles, the Eagles exploded even even before the song. And this is obviously their biggest song, but they were huge even before, like, um, before this. Like, the, the name of the Eagles was out there. Exploding Eagles, I think that's one of the lyrics to the Born, should, Born to You. Exactly, yeah. This should rain down exploding yeah, eagles on Iraqi dissidents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting, the, the chords apparently are the exact same as Jethro Tull's song. Um, it's called uh, We Used to Know, was the name of the song. And Jethro Tull came out and he said, like, I'm still waiting on the royalties. Because the eagles toured with Jethro Tull as well. Oh, that's always a sign. We've covered that before on yeah. the It turns out that they were touring with someone with that song. And went, well, we're bigger, so it would be... If we <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Now I don't think it was the song. I think it's just the, the, the card structure. Now he he said I'm still waiting on royalties, but then he also said, "Listen, it's you know there's only so many cards, uh, card changes and structures out there. You know, like sometimes it's going to happen." Yeah. And um, there's there's a reference to Steely Dan in the lyrics as well because the the, the Eagles and Steely Dan had the same manager, and right. he he used to kind of stir the pot with them a little bit. He like got a bit of, bit of rivalry going, a bit of friendly rivalry to see who could outdo each other and who could write better songs and, you know, who could put hidden meanings into their songs and stuff like that about each other. So Steely Dam are writing songs like with like secret little digs and messes at, at the Eagles and the Eagles had a couple of, uh, like, and there's one in here about Steely Dan as well about a uh, kind of little, little underhook, bam, little gut punch Jeez. to Steely Dan, just for the laugh. Like, I think they all, they got along, they were friends. But, um, yeah, that the Hotel California is essentially um, about the excesses of American culture and the record industry, which is mental. Because you you read through it, like once I've said that now, here's what's messed up. Once I've said that now, and you go and you read the lyrics, you'll go like, ah, oh, ah, oh, oh, really? Oh, oh, yeah, of yeah. course, yeah. It's one of those things. Like definitely. Like once you like if you listen to this this podcast, you hear me saying that to you. You go to Google. Type in Hotel California lyrics and read them, and you'll go, ah, okay. I'm not just talking about like driving through the desert or something, it's talking about like approaching like the, the top of the music business. And when you get there, you're locked into a hotel, but you can't do anything for yourself. Oh. I was like, okay, all right, makes sense. So, like, it's, yeah, like, a, like an emotional prison and all that, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. Uh, who was your next one? My next one is a song that is. Very surprising to find out it's not in the theme that I thought it was. Mm. Uh, you Are My Sunshine, a famous okay. song from 1939. Popularized, it says, by Jimmy Davies and Charles Mitchell. Mm. So you know, you are my sunshine, mm-hmm. my only sunshine. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a very happy song. Yeah, no. It's, it's apparently not a very happy song at all. Oh. So this is the song I always remember people singing to their babies singing them to sleep with happy nice music yeah and pets even but jesus christ That's me with the parrot rocking the like parrot to sleep. That, yeah. <laughs> jimmy the parrot go to sleep jimmy um so the rest of this is very very like miserable 
So this is covered by Johnny Cash and Bing Crosby actually was the first person to have a hit with mm. it. Uh, his version went to number 20 in 41, two years later. The rest of the lyrics are stuff like the other night there as I lay sleeping, I dreamed I held you in my arms. But when I woke there, I was mistaken. So I hung my head and cried. Well, okay. You are my sunshine. My only sunshine. You make me happy. <laughs> and the rest of it. I'll always love you and make you happy. But if you will only say this, if you will only say the same, but if you leave me and love another, you'll regret it someday. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. Mm. Grim, you told me once, dear, you really loved me. <laughs> no one else could come between. But now you've left me and love another. Mm. You've shattered all my dreams. Wow. <laughs> you are my sunshine, my only sunshine. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, I don't know, the rest of the lyrics of this were so sad and grim. It's pretty sad. And, and in all my dreams, dear, you seem to leave me. <laughs> oh, wow. When I wake, my poor heart pains. So when you come back and make me happy, I'll forgive you, dear. I'll mm. take the blame. Go- gone from gone from uh, anger to reasoning there. So he says, he says, you'll regret it all someday. Yeah. To, You've shattered my dreams. To I'll forgive you and I'll take the blame. So it is quite a desperate and miserable song. Mm. It's, a nice, it's a nice little song if you mm. ignore all of the verses and just concentrate on the very happy uh you are my sunshine it's mad catchy like to be fair to it's it. very good it's a, it's it's classic it's a classic song that has been covered i, I was going to read out some of the people that covered it i'd be, I'd be here all night like yeah, it's insane it's, yeah like, it's one of the songs as well that like spooky children sing in horror films yeah well now they can sing the rest of it yeah it I makes mean, sense now just hang my head uh, in pain and stuff jesus right no thanks anyway that's my one not necessarily hidden meanings but definitely always misconstrued yeah. as a very happy love song yeah uh, and it's actually a disturbingly sad breakup song when he's talking mm. about regretting it and uh shattering dreams not not the not the scariest shit ever but it's certainly not what i thought it was mm. so that's my one who's your next one uh it's pro- probably my favorite uh, not my favourite song on this list. Uh, it's not actually not a terrible song. It's just garbage. But it's... Um, <laughs> like, lyrically, I hadn't a clue, man. I hadn't a clue. How they were allowed to do this and this song got so big, it's just beyond me. So it's a uh, third-eyed blind with semi-charmed life. Yeah. There's semi-charmed life. Yeah. So, like, you think it's just like a kind of stupid, happy-go-lucky, you know, lively pop song, you know? Uh, it's actually about doing loads of drugs and getting your dick sucked. Wow. Yeah. Um, wow. You have to read those lyrics, man. I, I have a couple of samples here. I think I have about, about 10 sentences here that are just picked from it. And I could have got more. Uh, so one of the first ones is, I'm packed and I'm holding. Holding the drugs. Uh, next one is... Does he not sh- mean a gun? No. It could mean a, could mean a gun, though. It could mean a oh. gun, but he's talking about drugs because the next line is right. about doing, doing gear. Oh, okay. And then... Um, Another line, she comes round and she goes down on me. Is another line. That's definitely about the yeah. yeah. And then the, another line is, do whatever you want to do, coming over you. Jesus. Um, another line, chop another line like a coda with a course. I don't know what a coda with a course is, but chop another line. Um, the sky was gold. It was rose. And I was taking sips of it through my nose. Oh, my. Yeah, um, smiling in their pictures, uh, sm- smiling in the pictures you would take, doing crystal meth, it will lift you up until you break. 
I, no, like I'm pretty sure there's a kid singing this in America. What's up, Yeah, there's another line. Why is he the right song? Yeah, this is the, this is the song. <laughs> um, there's another another verse where he mentions doing bumps five times in one sentence. So do another bump, do another bump type of thing. Um, then bump, 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 do a bump. Yeah, something like that. Uh, then I think one of the last lines is those little red panties. They pass the test. Slides up around the belly, face down on the mattress. Is one of the is like one of the last lines. It's filthy, dirty, like it's a filthy, dirty, maggoty song. Is what it is. Maggoty. It's it is maggoty. I didn't. I didn't know that it was all. But I just thought it was about like having a good life. Oh, it is like that. He he is living his best life in this in this song. Yeah, one hundred percent. Living his best life like a tattoo artist who just got a call from Lenny Kravitz. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's this song is about what happens after <laughs> Lenny Kravitz's manager <laughs> rang that tattoo studio. This is what happens, right? <laughs> and you are my sunshine. Is what happens after it. Yeah. So um, after Lenny leaves, <laughs> um, so yeah, that's it. Uh, and there was more that going on as well because there's all sorts of mad stuff. I think the singer, the singer, and. Uh, bassist or something like they were like the car the car two guys wrote all the songs at the group and they, they they were planning on forming like an llc which is like a it's like a limited company over here uh like tordoy blind limited that like made websites about the band and documentaries about that no oh, and, um, said over here i was like no over the plc in america would be like oh a i get you here. sorry right there, and um yeah. what uh, apparently your man the singer went up and done it all himself and then oh. kind of hired like his co-songwriting partner to a wage and all this kind of stuff and he ended up leaving and I, I don't know and also who cares it's totally blind like honestly who God, who I went I went looking just to see if I could get more on that and the only thing I could find was like some fan made website that for some reason is still it's up still being paid for it's still there right and it was like made on like GLCEs or something or Geocities as I used to call it Geocities yeah exactly it's, it's like, like fire. it's like atrocities <laughs> on earth yeah Geocities but um, I literally and I was, like hacked together, made in like notepad type of job, and I went reading and I was, every single sentence was like you know like like they're the best band ever. Oh my god! I know these they're, fan websites. You know those so ones? Terrifying. Grim. Um, they're obviously the best band that ever happened. To. I'm like okay. Yeah. I remember I was on this chat website. Remember those chat websites in the late nineties, early two thousands, and there was this girl who was like the moderator, and if you said anything bad about the artist TQ, she'd ban you. <laughs> TQ, yeah, like the other song Westside. Yeah, some people get that. That I don't know what it is. It's just like this weird, uh, insatiable desire to be super positive about a particular character or person. You know what I mean? It happens. Like people get so obsessed, and it becomes their only reason for living. It's mental. Like what? what, What's that? That um, uh, uh, what's that? The the Ricky Gervais show. Life after death, or whatever. Life is after that what it's life. Called? After life, and the board that works in the office, and she just has a photo of Kevin Hart. Oh, and, that's and, brilliant. And, yeah. and it's brilliant. And like, if anybody says anything about Kevin Hart, she starts going mental. She starts giving out to them. That's yeah, the way I always like think that. about it. So that those people scare scare life out of me. Like, yeah, they really do. Yeah. I never felt like that about anything. Like we've no. lost, uh, we've we've lost a few uh, listeners because we slagged away our chili peppers. Good, good. Don't want yeah, them. Don't want them. Don't want you listening. Um, we, we must have pulled a five year out of party we didn't want you in the first place anyway yeah exactly <laughs> exactly time, now, time to lose those fans with a spastic cock exactly yeah. uh, Roy <laughs> who was your next one here's my last one uh, this is Beatles Run For Your Life it's oh. certainly not hidden but certainly the first time 
that the Beatles would have been classed as writing something sinister. Mm. I think so. This is the last song on Rubber Soul from '65. Mm. Um, like it's not that hidden, but if you were to read these lyrics out in a Liam Neeson taken style voice, yeah. which I will do, of course, after saying that up the parish, um, it will be a little bit, a little bit scary. So. Everyone knows, run for your life, you can't, it'll go, run for your life. Oh, he, he, John Lennon, I think he might have meant it. So the, the lyrics in the, style of, in, the, in the style of Liam Neeson are, well, I'd rather see a dead little girl. I'd rather see a dead little girl is the very first line of the song. And, he, and I wouldn't mind, right? But the Beatles robbed this mm. from, another, from um, Let's Play House. So it's an Elvis Presley song that was mm. written by Arthur Gunther. And... Come back, baby, come, baby, come back. Ah, it's fucking ripped. The, uh, must fucking uh, give the idea to uh, Eddie Grant as well. Mm. But the line are, baby, come back. Now listen to me and try to understand. I'd rather see a dead little girl than to be with another man. And that's in this song as well. So he lifts that bit as well, talking about you know that you know that I'm a wicked guy. I was born with a jealous mind. And I can't spend my whole life trying to make you tell the line. You better run for your life if you can. If see it with another man, that's the end. Little girl. So yeah, I always thought that's a fun song. But the older I got, the more I was like, that's like a bit much even for the Beatles. Yeah. When the first line is, well, I'd rather see a dead little girl than be with another man. I'll catch you if I can. Let this be a sermon. I mean everything I said. Baby, I'm determined that I'd rather see you dead. That's grim. It's a bit grim, isn't it? Yeah. I do still think it's a banger, although Lennon, like I said, he admits that he does he lifted it, but he doesn't like the song. I think he doesn't like it anymore. He's he's, he's mad dead. He's all levels of dead now. But, I read something today about a conspiracy theory that Stephen King killed John Lennon. That so apparently uh, Mark David Chapman looked a bit like Stephen King back in the day. And uh, mm. <coughs> there was some sort of like town hall meeting in New York, like the year after Lennon was killed. And um, some bloke stood up and he was like, they got the wrong man. And they, they were like, what do you mean? Is it Stephen King like was hired by the CIA to kill John Lennon? And uh, apparently this, this got a bit of everything to do with the Beatles gets a little bit of traction. So yeah. well, it didn't get as much traction now as Paul is Wouldn't dead. you have to ask the person who wrote that though, do you grow and smoke Loads of your own weed. I yeah. do actually, yeah. Yeah, I did. Right. Well, sit back down. Um, but yeah, so apparently it got a bit of traction. Like there was articles and all written about it. It was like, did Stephen King kill John Lennon? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think he's a, he's a massive Beatles fan, I think. Um, I think the Ramones are his favourite band. Did Beatles. Mary Black kill Tupac? Exactly, yeah. Exactly. Why not? Fuck, I can't have about ways. Heart is a river, flows way up high. Then she goes and kills Tupac. Mm. Fucking hell. No frontiers, but I shot Tupac in his car. <laughs> Stop. Oh. <laughs> anyway, that's uh. my one. It's not hidden, but I just like to draw attention to how how a lot dark of his songs, is. a lot of his songs got called out for misogyny years later because a lot of it was to do with con- just controlling women. Uh. Don't do that. So, no. no, yeah, John Lennon's B sound exactly. This B sound, people are Loads of another uh, hidden meaning was blackboard wasn't mm. about a blackboard. It was about like civil rights for black yes. people in That's right. the sixties. Uh, so 
of Magical Mystery Tour, I Am The Walrus, isn't, doesn't have any meaning on purpose because John Lennon got a letter from his old school teacher that says, I just wanted you to know that we, in the class, break down all your lyrics. Oh. And, uh, so every time you come out with a new song, we we break it down, we try and find the meaning of it. Yeah. So then he wrote that, like, oh, fuck you, yeah. try and figure that one out. That's a hmm. brilliant song. That That's the kind of thing that reminds me of Kurt Cobain's lyrics. And yes. Beck and Beck and a little bit like Mars Volta. There's mm. no, like, th- those songs could mean a whole lot, but they are riddles, a lot of them. Mm. Like, it spells like Teen Spirit is mad. What the noise we singing about? Massive. What, what do they be talking about? I can't understand them. An albino, my libido. Yeah. Yeah. Just garbage. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful garbage. Of course it does. But it means something to him, but he never told anyone. That's fine. Who's your last one? My last one is Don McLean with American Pie. So, uh, he's another proper ropey lad. Don McLean? Yeah. Uh, I don't know anything about Don McLean, bar that album that I like. Um, <laughs> that's it. Honest to God. Um, so, uh, again, on the surface of it, another kind of Americana, feel good, happy make feel good song uh, about the, the slice of American pie. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of warm and fuzzy and the chorus is a big whopper of a chorus and it, it's it's a long song but it's building up and all that. But what it's actually about, it's, it's kind of about two things. Um, yeah. It's about the reversal of the American dream more so than the um, the continuation of the American dream. So for him, he said, like, the good old days of America um, where, uh, how does he describe it? He said, essentially, things started to turn backwards after uh, the plane crash that killed Buddy Holly and Richie Valens and J.P. Richardson as well. Nobody ever talked about him. Um, A.K.A. Yeah. The Day the Music Died, which is uh, 1959. February tour 1959, we're playing with that one um, with a lot of people. And it, uh, Buddy Holly had hired as a continuation of something called the Tour from Hell, which was this giant tour all around America that wasn't... What a name. Yeah. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't plotted properly, this tour. It was literally, it was like the true darts at a map of America. So they were like going from like California to Texas to Seattle oh, really? to, it, it was just that's all over cost, the place that's not cost effective at all exactly they just they, they, they made a hames of it and uh, one I think the, one of the buses broke down or the, a commercial airliner broke down and they were going to be late so uh, Buddy hired like a small kind of Cessna style um, private plane just to take the guys there while the rest of them waited for an hour he wasn't sitting around like, I've got enough money I can cover it you just get in with me let's go let's go do it and the uh, mm. plane went down killing them all instantly and to Don McLean, um, that that incident is known as the day the music died. But for Don McLean, that was when America started going backwards. He said from that point on, you had to lead up um, into into uh, Vietnam and the fallout from Vietnam and stuff like that. So that's what American Pie is about. Um, it, it's interesting when you when you read the lyrics because it's parts of it are about the good old days of America, about you know. You think about it, like, I took my Chevy to the levee and then the next line is that the levee was dry. So he he, he starts souring things. about when you drive your Chevy to the levee only <laughs> to realise that there's no water left and you're like, this was a wasted journey. Exactly. But that's kind of what he's getting at. He's like, I went to do the one of the things that we like doing. I took my good old Chevrolet, good old American motor, you know, up to the, the lake or whatever to kind of hang out and probably drop the hand on some mo. But there's no water there and we got freaked out. 
um, because there should be why is there nothing there that was there he all the time in my youth wrote, yeah he should have wrote drove the Chevy to the levee and I realised they rhymed exactly that's everyone would have been way that. better <laughs> that would have been way better yeah <laughs> um, but yeah he does this thing where he, he, he'll um, he'll talk about something really positive kind of from his youth or from most Americans kind of youth um, of his age and then he'll poison it a little bit and but that he, he does this as he says kind of the rever- reversal of the American dream where things just got went so downhill where people weren't looking out for each other and gun crime went up and um, uh, like uh, kind of towns went dry essentially and it leaves like whatever we got we're dealing with like Flint, Michigan now but like all of the Troy kind of uh, turned into a hellhole pretty early on um, at one stage that was the richest city in America and they just start outsourcing stuff yeah. and it wasn't the, the money wasn't there the jobs weren't there and it just became this new Detroit with Robocop and it, you know it just became real bad it became real grim and this is kind of what he's trying to he's trying to get across here is that uh, the American dream is kind of suffocating because things are going backwards that's what American poetry is about it's it's the it's about the exact opposite of what you think it's about and uh, yeah. he, he has it kind of hidden really well in there. Like, I love that song. I, love, I can't listen to it all the time. It's too long. It's like eight and a half minutes long. But um, yeah. it's over eight and a half minutes long. But it's, it's it's too much. But that album is fantastic. Like Vincent and stuff like that. And like there's some great, great songs on that album. Like you're yeah. saying he's ropey. I don't know I anything about him. I won't. No, you know what I'll do? I'm not going to say what he did or allegedly did. Mm. All I'll say is, and this is very, very, very vague, mm. that his now ex-wife... Uh, campaigns for domestic violence against oh, right, domestic violence. Go. So there, if you can pick up anything from that at all, yeah, that's on you. But that's a hidden meaning. <laughs> There's another hidden meaning. Hidden needing another <laughs> hidden needing for you. Um, yeah. I'm hung over to bits after last night. So yeah, uh, yeah run, run for your life while you can, little girl. Exactly. <laughs> that's the end. Um, that's it for this week, I believe. I think uh, we I think we need to get Liam Neeson to do a cover of Beatles songs in that Taken style. He'd probably do it. My favourite Liam Neeson bit is about, is about five or six years ago where his home county were uh, in the final in Crow Park or something like that and he made a little video on his phone of him playing Horland in the field. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the best, man. Go look for it. It's putting Liam Neeson Horland and it's him like him, him whacking the slither around like up the parish all this kind of stuff he's screaming. It's brilliant. That's my favourite Liam Neeson thing ever. <laughs> Uh, and he's screaming into the camera and everything. Go on, you buyers! Go on, you buyer! All this kind of stuff. I so, love uh, his thing from Life is Short is not a good ser- se- series. Mm. But his scene where he wants to be a comedic actor. Right. Insanely good. Did you ever see that? No. Where he goes in. You've never seen You've never seen Liam Neeson doing that skit? No. Where nope. he's playing himself trying to be a comedian? Nope. I'll send it to you after this and you're going to die. You're going to die. Right. Yeah, anyway, never, yeah, never. that was anyway. That's it for this week. Uh, we are back on Saturday with a radio show. We're back the Monday after with another podcast. Uh, if you like what we do, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the lost. No, I keep saying they're lost, it's just lost art podcast. <laughs> patreon.com forward slash lost art podcast. Or you're going to tip us, you go to kofi.com forward slash lost art podcast. All the links you're, are there in the text. You're going to be one of those elfless soon that goes, It's on the Netflix, yeah, it's on the Netflix. I can't, honest to God, that's what I'm like that today. I can't talk. I got it in the Aldi's. Yeah, exactly. I went to the Lidl's. The Londis. The Londis. Um, <laughs> the Londis is all right. Or, or my, my granny called it the Londis. Londis. I'm going down right. to the Londis. It's the Londis, man. No, the Londis. <laughs> all right. Well, um, 
Uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, that's it. We'll see you on Saturday for a radio show. Um, yes. Where I am definitely going to drink, but right now I'm telling myself you're never drinking again. And <laughs> see you uh, next Monday with a lovely podcast. Is there anything else? I don't think so. I, I think that's think it. I think we're done. I think we are done. Uh, right, we shall talk to you in a couple of days. Yes. And uh, P.S. I didn't course once. Did I? Loads. Did I? I win. See you next week, folks. <laughs>